Well, thank you. It's wonderful to be with you. Uh, I love the people at Cedar Home. I think it's a great church, and I love to come and worship with you. We were here last month and just came and visited and enjoyed our time here. So I'm glad to be here and to be able to share with you on this Sunday morning with your pastor being gone. I, uh, we had at our house just a very ugly sink. You ever had an ugly sink? You know, the tarnish is gone. It's a cast iron sink. And, and the faucet was so bad that it took two hands to turn it from one side to the other. So my wife was saying, could we possibly get a new sink? Just would love to have a new sink, you know. <clears throat> so finally, I went to Lowe's, bought a new sink, bought a new faucet, brought it home, and it sat in the garage for two months. And I thought, wow. Well, here's the problem. I, didn't, I wasn't real confident about putting that, that sink in. You know, it weighed 120 pounds and um, had to get the old one out. I knew the plumbing just wasn't going to fit exactly right, and I'm not a plumber. So I, I just left it sit in the garage. And, and uh, then my wife said, well, I'd sure like to have it done by the party we're going to have here in a couple weeks. And so I was talking to my neighbor next door at Peace Haven, and he's a plumber, and I just was telling him my dilemma, and uh, hopefully he would listen and kind of, <laughs> and he said, hey, why don't I come down and kind of advise you how to do it? I thought, well, that's better than nothing, so he, he came down. But you know, like a plumber, he couldn't handle it. He took over, and he took that sink out, put the new one in, cut those pipes, put things together quickly, and... There was the new sink. You see, I asked the right person. It helps to ask the right person. When David, King David, the scriptures needed help in order to run his life, he knew where to go. If you look at Psalm 119, your pastor said, would you preach on a psalm? And so I chose Psalm 119, the longest song in the Bible, and cho chose about the very middle verses, Psalm 119, 73 to 80. In those verses, David, or whoever wrote it, it may have been Asa, it may have been uh, um, Ezra, but I think it was David, and he wrote, you made me, you created me, now give me a sense of following your command. Right now, you know, our world is, 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 is kind of a mess, isn't it? We have a struggling world around us, a lot of hurt, a lot of hurting people everywhere. It reminds me of the days of, of the judges when the Bible says everyone did what was right in his own eyes instead of listening to God, instead of following what God says, people do what they want to do people ignoring the Bible and deciding what was right for them. But David said, God, you created me. You made me. Give me the common sense to follow you, to listen to you, and to obey you. We need today the common sense that it takes to listen to God and to follow him. Way back in Psalm 139, <clears throat> verse 15, David wrote these words. You watched me as I was being formed in seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God had laid our light out. He's laid our life out. Every moment is this. So why not go to God when we need help? 
So many times we turn to other people, we turn to books, we turn to things. But first we need to go to God and say, God, I need your help. A few years ago, I was in the doctor's office, and he said to me, I got some bad news for you. You have cancer. I'm, now I've been a pastor for 40, 50 years, and he says, you have cancer. And I went home, and I curled up in that big chair of mine, and I just went into depression. I just, I was, I was lost there. I thought, wow, maybe I'm going to die. And, and all that came upon me. And then I found books on cancer. I started reading books on cancer so I could learn about what was going on. And one day, God said to my heart these words, Bill, do you want to learn about cancer or do you want to learn about me? Do you want to learn about cancer or do you want to grow during this time? And I remember I said, okay, Lord, I laid aside those books and I began to get up early in the mornings by myself and I took God's word and I actually took the book of Psalms and began to read through it as God began to speak to my heart and he began to teach me and he began to help me grow in areas of my life that he wanted to help me. David realizes that it was God who had made him. Therefore, he needed God's to help, God to help him and to direct him. And the truth is, so do we. So in Psalm 119, 73 to 80, we find five things that David asked God to help him with. And I want to share those five things with you. Here's the first one. Number one, verse 74. Help me to encourage others. May all who fear you rejoice when they see me, for I put my hope in your word. I found in life there are three kinds of people. You've probably found it true. There are those people that we see every day. We see them in the store, or we see them at different times. We, we talk to them on Facebook. They're friends that we, we just meet and see, talk across the fence to, see at the grocery store, see a note from them on Facebook. And, and their friends are just people who were no better or any worse from knowing them. They're just friends. That's the majority of people around us. But then there are people who just drain us. Ever met one like that who just drains you? When you're with them, they tell you all their problems. They tell you all the problems of the world. They tell you all the problems of the church or wherever. And they just drain you. And then there are those people who build into your life. When you leave being with them, you are encouraged and, and you're a better person and you're thankful that you had time with them. David is desiring that he can be that kind of a person, one who encourages others, one's people who, uh, one who people love to be with. Are you a person who, who complains about things around the church, the world, the community? Or we look for ways to encourage others, looking for ways to, to be a blessing Meryl and I have lived in this nice little house, nice house where it has been no neighbors right around beside us, nice open. And then all of a sudden we got three new houses and they built the houses right on the edge of our driveway. And now all of it has changed. And we looked at that, part of our view of the water is now gone. And we decided one day we have a choice. We can either complain or we can become a blessing and we can reach out. And we have chosen to reach out to our neighbors around. Some neighbor, we have a little neighbor lady across the street that was very sick and Marilyn picked her sweet peas and took them down to give them to her. I had a neighbor whose 
lawn was getting longer and she said she couldn't get it mowed, so I mowed it. Well, just little things, little things of just being a blessing to people in our community. Not necessarily preaching at them, just loving them and caring about them. Pray that God will help you to be a blessing around people. That's what David wanted to be. Pray that God will help you to be a blessing to your pastor, that, that you will encourage him, to your neighbors that you encourage them, that you will reach out to people around you and love them. I like the book of Acts chapter 9. There's a story of a lady named Dorcas. Remember that story? She died, and Peter was called, and he came, and, the, and it says this, the people stood around and wept as she had cried, and they showed to Peter all the things she had made for them, the clothing she had made, the different things. She wasn't preaching at them. She was loving these people, and their lives were blessed and encouraged, and they wept because she was gone. Do we pray that God will help us to be an encouragement to people that we see around? Second of all, Number two, help me to grow through correction in my life. I know, Lord, that you regulate, that your regulations are fair. You discipline me because I need it. Now let me, let your unfailing love comfort me just as you promised me. Surround me with your tender mercies. David is saying, he re realizing that God only does what's right, even in affliction. Even when God punishes us, God is being faithful. Do we recognize the fact that God who made you knows what's the very best for your life, that he knows everything about you? Many of you know that after I left Camino Chapel, I started a ministry called Peace Haven. I built a house. I wanted to build a house, so we have two houses now where pastors can come who need encouragement. Pastors can come who need counseling, and pastors can come who just need, who just need a rest, a place away, and, and someone to share with if they need to. And so we started it, and I had all these plans. I left the church, and I, I began to build it. I, I built and framed it all up, put the roof on it, and, and was building it with the money that I had saved, and I was so excited about building this and doing this for the Lord. And I said, Lord, I want to do this for you. And then one day, the money I had was taken away and embezzled, and, and the uh, health that I had, my back lost a, da a disc in my back, and now I couldn't hardly walk and I had to have surgery and so now here's this house half built and everything is going wrong and I'm saying Lord I don't understand it I wanted to do this for you I built this house and I'm building it so it can be used for pastors and encourage them and as I'm sharing that with God one day God looked to my spoken looked to my heart and he spoke to me in that quiet voice inside of my heart that said to me, Bill, that's the problem. You're doing it, and I want to do it. I want you to let me do it. I want to get the glory for this. And so I remember saying, okay, God, I, I'll let you do it your way because I can't do it. And people began to help. People began to give. And it was amazing. For 20 years now, Peace Haven, we've never asked anybody for money. And for 20 years, God has provided every penny to help pastors. We have helped put on conferences. We have paid medical bills. We have had the opening of Peace Haven for people and pastors to come for 20 years. Hundreds and hundreds of pastors and their families and missionaries have been encouraged and helped. 
You know why? Because God did it his way, not my way. If I had done it my way, I'd probably sold it by now to pay the bills. But God did it his way, and God's way is always best. The writer doesn't ask God to take away his pain or affliction or his discipline. He says, you discipline me because I need it. He asked God to comfort him with his unfailing love. Maybe today you're one of those who's going through a painful time in your life. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Mother and I both know the pain of that. It's hard. It's a painful time, a time that you can either turn bitter and away from God or you can turn towards God. Maybe it's a physical problem you're struggling with, or maybe you've lost your job, or maybe some other things happen in your life. You can become bitter and angry, or you can ask God to help you grow through these tough times. You can ask him to give you, give you his comfort, just as David did. I love that quote in that book, in the book entitled, You've Got to Keep Dancing. And, and he wrote this quote, he said, pain is inevitable, misery is optional. And in our life, pain is inevitable. It's going to come to all of us somewhere in our life. But misery is optional. In my life, I have watched people, many people, run from their pain, change jobs, change friends, change churches, change communities, change partners, whatever, so they don't have to face the pain. But they lose the opportunity to grow in relationship with the Lord. I have found in life that the only way to true joy is to go through the pain, not around it. To say, God, help me to go through this pain and honor you. Number three, you ready for this? Help me to focus on you, not on those who wrong me. Verse 78, bring disgrace upon the arrogant people who lied about me. Meanwhile, I will concentrate on your commands. All of us are wronged by people. It's just part of the fallen world we live in. People wrong people. But we need to learn to let God help us through those times. Maybe it's just a small thing. Maybe it's somebody took your parking spot that you were waiting for at Costco. Or maybe somebody steals something of yours. Or, or maybe somebody's lied about you or spread some gossip or somebody's betrayed you. But the writer is saying here, help me. Help me let you take care of those who have wronged me, and I will focus on growing in you. I get to work with a lot of pastors and share with a lot of pastors and talk with them. And uh, I've talked with those who've been hurt deeply, been hurt deeply. But when we are wronged by others, we must forgive. Colossians 3.13 says, Make allowances for each other's faults. Forgive everyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And so David is writing and saying, Lord, I want, I want to focus on your word. I don't want to focus on those who wrong me. Forgiveness. Is so important. Let me give you a definition of forgiveness that will help you. One was given me by Steve Aldebeth, counselor out of Everett, that works with our pastors. But he gave this definition, definition of forgiveness. Forgiveness is giving up your perceived right to get even, though you have been hurt in an incredible way. It's giving up that right to get even with somebody. I'll get even with you. 
It doesn't mean you can forget what they did. And it doesn't mean that you can trust them. But it means you give up that right to get even, to let God take care of them. Forgiveness. We need to learn to forgive others. And, and so David is saying, Lord, help me not focus on those who wrong me. Because, because bitterness, and uh, when we don't forgive, it brings about self-pity and a desire to get even, and, and bitterness that begins to consume you and affect you physically and every other way. So the writer, David, says, Lord, you take care of those who wrong me. I will forgive them, and I will focus on growing more like you. Here's the fourth one. Help me be an example to others. Verse 79, let me be united with all who fear you. Or the NIV says, may all who fear you turn to me. In other words, he's saying, help others to look at my life and say, wow, if he can make it in his Christian life, so can I. A lot of Christians are hurting in our world today. And a lot of Christians hurt others in the name of Jesus by gossiping and by being critical and, and, and never happy and always finding fault. You know those kind of people that, that sit in church and find, look for the, all the uh, mistakes in the church bulletin, you know, or, or they uh, listen for mistakes the pastor might make or listen for ways of what people say wrong. You know, God wants us to be people who, who focus on being an example for what Jesus wants us to be. David wanted to be the kind of person that people would say, wow, I want to hang out with him. Do people say that about you? Jerry was that kind of person in my life. Jerry Harrington was a wonderful guy. I came to Commando in 1968, and Jerry, um, Jerry followed right there, retired from the post office, and he became a mentor in my life. I was just a young pastor. And I needed encouragement, and, and he came along, and he, he one day said, every Friday belongs to you, Bill. I'll do anything you want on Fridays. And so he'd come to the church on Friday, and he'd paint something needed. He'd clean something that needed. He'd type the bulletin for me, and he just, he just was that kind of a person. He'd take me out for lunch, and when people in the church were upset with things I did, he'd take them out to lunch and talk with them and, and talk to them about how to treat their pastor. He was a kind, loving person. I love that guy. He was great. <laughs> and so Jerry encouraged my life. Uh, I think I told this story here once, but I'll tell it again because it was such a picture of love and caring because I'm a young pastor. I had one pair of shoes is all I owned, because we didn't have very much money. I just never thought about polishing them because uh, I would maybe go out and, and uh, do yard work and do all the other things around the church that needed done. And then Sunday I'd get up and preach and there were dirty shoes and people are saying, wow, can't he ever think about polishing his shoes? That's what people are thinking. <laughs> but you know what Jerry did? Never said a word. Just one Friday morning showed up at church shine box in hand, and said, Bill, would you mind if I polished your shoes? I, wow, nobody had ever done that before. And he polished my shoes week after week until I got smart enough to do it myself. <laughs> Took me a long time. That's the kind of guy he was. He came along, and he was a person who loved and mentored me. And it was interesting because God brought him to Kameno, the 
The first month that I came there, and God took him home to heaven a few months after I left there. And in that between, God gave him a ministry that touched the lives of hundreds of people. And when I get to heaven, God's going to say, Bill, step aside, because Camino Chapel is what it is because of Jerry Harrington, not you. And I'm... And I'm going to tell you something. We all have that responsibility to reach out and touch the life and encourage our pastor and encourage our staff and our people in our church. They serve us and may God help us to be people who care about our church and care about the pastor and those who serve here and help them and be a blessing to them because they are a blessing to us. Jerry was a kind of man that we will always be thankful for and the kind of man that when God, I left the church, God said, I want you to help pastors just like he did. So Jerry's ministry is going on. Peace Haven is there because Jerry Harrington cared about me. And God said, now you can do that with pastors. For 20 years, Peace Haven has been reaching pastors and missionaries. All because one man cared about helping. What kind of people are we? Are we the kind of people that reach out and kill, care and help and encourage and are an example to others? The younger people in our church, they need an example. They need somebody to look up to. May Lord help us to be those kind of people. Number five, help me have a pure heart. May I be blameless and keep your decrees. David needed God's help so he would daily walk with God, and so do we. David wrote in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The truth is, we all desperately need God today. We can't do it alone. It is so easy for us to focus on our own lives and our own problems. But God has called us to be a light of the world. This community, I look out here, there are houses everywhere. When I moved here, this was farmland. Now there's houses and God brought the church, the people around you to you so that we can reach out and help them. We can't do it alone. It's so easy to focus on our own life and our own problems, but God has called us to be a light to a dark world around us. As a church, as individuals, we are called to bring change to our world. We are called to reach our world for Jesus. And so may our hearts desire what the writer of Psalms 119 desired. Help me encourage others. Help me grow through your correction. Help me focus on you, not on those who wrong me. Help me to be an example to others. Help me have a pure heart. Well, just 55 years ago, this month, that I stood up in front of the first church I ever preached at. I was so afraid. I was sick to my stomach. I was gagging. I got up, and the sermon lasted probably seven minutes, and I sat down. Don't you wish that would happen more often? <laughs> and it was there that I knew I needed God so desperately to help me. And I can remember, it was 54 years ago this month, 
that I went to my very first church and became a pastor. I remember driving down that river road in, in California, Horse Creek, California, in the Siskiyou Mountains. I drove down there. I'm sick to my stomach, and I remember saying, God, I can't do this. I can't do it. And I got up there for that first sermon, and I'm sitting there, and I'm saying, God, I can't do it. And then I said this to God. God, you said in your word, you have chosen the weak and the foolish. So I qualify. I'm okay. I need you to help me. You said I have chosen the weak and the foolish to confound the wise. And I want you to help me. And I can tell you that day when I stood up to preach, it was as though God said, step aside, Bill, I'll take over. And it's been that way for 55 years. I cannot tell you because I sit here and I am so scared and so nervous. But when I stand up, it's God who says, I will speak, not you. May God help us to let God use our lives. We have people around us that are dying without Jesus, a world that is hopelessly in trouble. This middle of the night, I woke up. A little song that I learned as a kid went through my head. Ever have that happen? Every once in a while, these songs I haven't heard for 55, 60 years. Uh, and this was the words that came to my mind, and it was these words. Oh, what a wonder, wonder that Jesus found me. Out in the darkness no light could I see. Oh, what a wonder. He put his strong arm under, and wonder of wonders, he saved even me. Oh, what a wonder that Jesus found me. Out of the darkness, no light I could see. Oh, what a wonder he put his strong under. And wonder of wonders, he saved even me. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never given him your life, it's not just saying, come into my heart. It's saying, Lord, I am giving you my heart and my life. You can have my heart. I want to follow you. I want to serve you. I want to live for you. I want to belong to you. If you've not done that, that's where you have to start. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and life. Change me. Change me to be like you. Change me that I can serve you the way you want me to serve you. That should be our prayer. So if you don't know Jesus today, I just encourage you to find one of the leaders here upon me afterwards and say, I really want to know Jesus. Would you help me? because he wants to come into your life. Oh, what a wonder that Jesus found me. Out in the darkness, no light could I see. Oh, what a wonder he put his strong under, arm under. And wonder of wonders, he saved even me. It's a wonder for all of us that God saved us and forgave us and cleansed us and gave us a heavenly home. Lord Jesus, you have given us your word, and we thank you for it. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who teaches us and guides us and leads us. Help us to be people who are making a difference in this world. Help us to be people who are loving others around us, who are showing kindness and caring for the people around us, that they can see Jesus in us. For Lord Jesus, you are real love. You are real love. Love that was born in a stable so that we could be forgiven of our sins. Bless this congregation. Bless their pastor, Dan, as he's resting up some. Give him a great rest and bring him back encouraged and bring him back to be a blessing to this community. For we ask it in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.